Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. Good afternoon, America. This is Dr. Yvonne Young, and today, believe it or not, the time is truly flying by. Today is October the 2nd, 2013. Where did 2013 go? Uh, first, I have to say a huge thank you. I had a uh, little minor family emergency crop up last week, and uh, though it appeared to be somewhat um, of a huge deal, God just pretty much grounded it down into powder form by the time it was over. However, I do want to say to our fans across America, as well as those in the U.K., Canada, Australia, and on several islands around the globe, uh, thank you so much. The messages that I got from you guys, if I just be honest, you know, I had an Oprah moment. I had to sit there literally in my office and shed tears. I've never in my life felt so loved. And um, this program is really created for you. The When I um, conceived this Conversations with Devon Young program, a friend of mine, comedian Bill Bellamy, and I were sitting at a hotel while we were both doing a tour date talking about it would be so wonderful to have a program that uh, men and women of all races and nationalities and religions could actually sit down and hear something other than some mess on on the air. Uh, um, in addition to that, after I had the opportunity to be blessed with uh, my producer, who I love and admire dearly, Julia, has uh, made an effort to make sure that the programs that you hear come to you not only with substance and quality, but they're done with you in mind. So uh, I just want to tell all of our listeners, thank you so much. Now, with that said, before I get a lump in the throat and a tear in my eye, I have two very special guests on our program today. Um, Both, I have to say, have become very, very special people to me, though the relationships... um, started out professionally over the years, they have grown to be much more than just uh, colleagues or associates, and that's why I wanted to have them on this program today. I know that many of you sit at home and you dream and you have something that has been deposited in your heart that goes beyond what you can see into the realm of that which you can only envision. Problem is, Many of us don't know how to get that vision out of the world of illusion and imagination and bring it forth. How do you take literally, in many instances, nothing and make something out of it? Well, I can assure you today's program, if you are in that position, be that dream being an author or an actor or doing your first film or You can even really utilize the things that we're going to talk about today to opening a car wash or grocery store or restaurant because at the end of the day, the vision that you have written upon your psyche is not your vision. I'm going to dare to suggest to you that forces greater than yourself are bringing you into alignment with your purpose. Now, how does that happen? Typically, 
we have something that we just cannot shake. We have a an auction, we have a passion, or we have a desire that is so much of a dominating force that we can't shake it. We sleep it, we eat it, we drink it. Many of us even have the courage to start attempting to live it. However, in the midst of the pursuit, something inevitably comes about to discourage us. Either we hear criticism from friends and family, we feel that we don't possess the financial or the academic or the connective resources to make these things happen. For many of you, it goes beyond that to where you just doubt yourself because never in life has anyone in your family done what you aspire to do, so you don't have a mentor, you don't have a role model, and some of you probably tried it earlier in life and you got started writing that book, you got started uh, writing that play or uh, taking steps toward making your dream come true. And for whatever reason, you got derailed. It could have been happenstance or it just wasn't the season. Well, I want you to rest assured I'm going to make you feel so much better right now. If you are listening to this program, that is the first sign that God wants you to do something really miraculous with the talents that he's given you. Without further ado, I'm going to uh, ask Julia if she would be so kind as to introduce our first guest. Sure. Our first guest is Sharon C. Jenkins. Sharon's a motivational speaker, writer, editor, and leader of the Master Communicators Writing Services. She's helped hundreds of authors get their message to the masses. Her new book is called Authorpreneurship, the Business of Writing, and she also has an upcoming conference, the 2013 Authors Networking Summit, on October 5th, featuring celebrity authors sharing their secrets to creating bestsellers. So we welcome Sharon first to the show. Hi, Sharon. How are you doing, dear? I am doing fine. How are you, Dr. Young? I'm doing great. I, I, first, I want to thank you for joining me on this program today. One thing that led uh, Julia and I to wanting you on this program is that you have played a role that is so significant in the pursuit of success and the pursuit of happiness for many people. And that is, um, I'm going to say what my grandmother used to say. I remember being a little boy, and my grandmother said, well, I hoped sister so-and-so with something. And I said, Granny. You said hoped her. You didn't hope her. You helped her. And she said, boy, I know what I mean. I hoped her. And sometimes you need people to help hope you through things more than you need to have them help you. And when I, when I say that, it reminds me of you, Sharon. I want to ask you just before we start talking about all these different uh, aspects of what you do and why and how you do it, my first question is um, what is it? that touched you, that made you decide, you know what, I can write my own books, but I want to help other people. What 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 led to that? Well, all I had to do was to pay a lot of money to go to the mountains of New Mexico and sit before an editor and attempt to pitch my first solo project and be told that I wasn't Oprah, so I probably wouldn't sell a lot of books about my life story. And I had worked so industriously on my manuscript, I ended up throwing it in the trash, getting on the plane, coming home, and bowing never to look at it again. And then the God factor started working in my life, and I began to realize if I was having that struggle, then other authors, was having a life struggle. And because I, I am a little stronger than the average bear, I knew that the best thing to do would be to help other authors live their dreams, and the rest would be added unto me. And that is exactly what has happened. When I did my radio, I have a radio program called The Literary Showcase, and that's how I got my first traditionally published deal. But I had helped thousands of authors uh, on my uh, showcase called The Literature Case, my show. 
So, and I've done conferences for writers since 2006. So my passion has always been to empower writers, bloggers, journalists to do what they do, but to do it in a spirit of excellence, to erase those myths in the industry that say that certain types or groups of people cannot write, they do not read, to bring us to a different level so that we, too, can be heard not just nationally, not just locally, but internationally. Because I know, I've heard the stories, I've sat in the barbershops, I've sat in the beauty uh, salons, and I've heard the stories, so I know we can tell a good tale. We just need to get it out beyond those walls. And so you have to posture yourself a certain way to do that. And so that became my mission. Yeah, I know when I was looking at the Wall Street Journal online uh, not too long ago, they uh, had an article on self-publishing success stories, and they found that, you know, there is a new mindset out there. One of these things was like Teresa Reagan, and she had uh, began a series called Abducted, and after completing uh, writing and trying to get people to take her serious. This woman now has completed 10 books, and she has uh, literally, literally uh, become a millionaire off her books. She sold more than 650,000 copies of her last book. And there's also a guy named Seth Kaufman who did an ebook platform, and same thing with Seth. He did uh, publish The King of Pain, and his uh, he, he also did the same thing. So what I was I want to point out that I think you just made really significant is that just because some idiot wants to tell you, and maybe it's not an idiot, maybe it is an informed party, and they tell you, you know what, your content sucks. You need to go back and rework this. What what I like that, well, you inferred it, you didn't say it, so correct me if I'm wrong, but what I really like that you said is that, you know what, I came back home, my ego definitely had the pin pop the balloon, and I was dang sure deflated, but you didn't quit. And once you took stock in what you needed to do, you dug in, you worked hard, and you worked smart, you took the rough edges and smoothed them, and after doing so, that led you to the next step. So I guess the question is, after that manuscript went in the trash and after you picked yourself up by your bootstraps, what was your next step, Sharon? Well, my next step was to identify the things that authors are lacking in. Um, There is so much going on in the industry. Um, To me, uh, when I think about our industry, the publishing industry, I see a bunch of balls up in the in the air, and where they fall, no one knows. So with the ebook publishing phenomena and a few other things happening, uh, the Kindle readers and the Nook readers and uh, the iPad and all this wonderful kind of stuff, the way we do reading and the way we do writing has changed so much. But there is still a need for writers. And I think um, that stereotype of a writer being poor with a broken pencil, sitting behind a computer is just that, a myth that we need to dispel. And um, then there's another myth that I felt that, um, you know, I needed to become an advocate for because I I call myself a writer's advocate. Historically, writers have not been paid what they should have been paid in the industry. Historically, writers don't have a voice. Um, You know, historically, when a publishing company uh, closes down, writers, unfortunately, they get the short end of the stick uh, because they they, they, they put the energy, they put the intellectual capital into something, And the next thing you know, somebody else is saying, I wrote this. I own this. So you take a huge risk. So when I see a writer, I see the S on their chest. I see Superman, Superwoman. I see them as they really are. I mean, 
We've been wrestling with words from the beginning of time, and those words still call out to us and speak to us and change us. So, you know, we have a very important job, and I'm an advocate for writers. I want to make sure that the world knows, not just our nation, not just our state, not just our city, that writers count for something. You can't read a stop sign without somebody writing it. You can't you can't go into the grocery store and make your groceries without reading labels or being able to read what you see. Uh, and lately, I've been doing some research on Houston's uh, illiteracy rate. It is out of the box. I'm embarrassed to share it on the air simply because we have got caught up in so many other things. We've forgotten the fact that we need to know how to read and we need to know how to write. And our children need to know how to read and they need to know how to write. So now with that said, our... hang on, Sharon, hang on. We're, we're going to go to break in about just 45 seconds. But with that said, I definitely want to come back and talk about how you are making a difference because I know the Arthur's Networking Summit, which you are the mastermind behind, is going to be in Houston, Texas on October the 5th. So what I want to do is uh, I'm not cutting you off, but I do want to just peg that uh, how that Arthur's Networking Summit, number one, can be a benefit to our listeners and how it's going to benefit youth in Houston. Anyway, this is Conversations with Dr. D. Von Young, and we'll be right back in about 45 seconds. This song is dedicated to special, unique people like me. Outcast, but you never cast out. Imagine me loving what I see when the mirror looks at me, cause I, I imagine me in a place with no insecurities and I'm finally happy, cause I imagine me letting go. All of the ones who hurt me They never did deserve me Can you imagine me? You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young And I have the mastermind between the Arthur's Networking Summit on my show uh, with me today, Sharon Jenkins. Sharon was talking about um, a plethora of information that, that took us from where her story started And someone rejected her labor of love, only to catalyze her into becoming the person that she is today. Sharon, uh, we've got about uh, maybe about seven minutes or so left, so I really want to talk about the Arthur's Networking Summit and what is that about and who does it benefit and why should someone attend it? Well, the Arthur's Networking Summit came about because I would go to writers' conferences and book festivals And I would see authors snatch in a moment or two to get to know each other. But there wasn't anything in place that would allow them to really let their hair down and talk to each other. So I said, you know what, we need to do some networking. So four years ago, I started the Authors Networking Summit, um, and the whole purpose is for authors to talk to each other, to get to know each other, to become resources for each other. And I'm so happy to say that uh, we will be um, doing our thing, our networking thing on October the 5th at TVH, uh, 333 South Jensen, uh, and the day before Friday for those shy authors uh, we're actually, Nakia LaShawl is doing a class on uh, how to network as an author. And then also Deanne Guest is doing a, uh, a uh, workshop on how to pitch a publisher, media person, or publicist. So we have a lot going on. And we've got Tony Gaskins coming in. I'm so happy he is our celebrity guest. And we got Miss Rashonda Tate Billingsley, who's going to be there emceeing. And you talked a little bit about the youth that is involved with our summit. Last year, 
we did the summit at the Learning for Life building, the Boy Scout uh, building off of 610, and we had 125 youth. We had double the number of youth that we had adults, and they left energized and ready to run. And so we have a youth track and an adult track. So if you're a senior high student or college student, we've designed a program specifically for you. And we also, of course, have our adult program. We've got Tony Harris coming in. We've got Tony Gambone. We've got a lot of Tonys going on <laughs> this yeah. year at the summit. <laughs> we have well, Andre Johnson. We've got a lot. We've got you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to ask this real quick before before you, because I know your schedule is real tight today, and we've got Shelton Jolivet in the studio. Uh, a question that I have to ask is that when people miss going to things like the Arthur Summit, they and I'm just this is my comment in the question. I'm going to tell you I have a publishing company, and for the first time I have uh, signed a lady Julie Dash that's going to have a phenomenal book coming out uh, early next year. But when we look at talent and we look at material. You cannot ever bypass opportunities, people. And this Arthur's Networking Summit is one of those opportunities where you can come and talk to people like Tony Gaskins and you can talk to Shelton Jolivet and you can talk to people like me and Rashonda Tate Billingsley, people that have a track record, that have a national brand, because the only way that you are going to get there is by association. And rather than learning hard and difficult lessons through trial and error, come and talk to people that are seasoned professionals that have been doing this for more than a minute, that have some skin in the game. Because if you want to be successful, the best way to do that is to surround yourself with successful people. Now, um, Sharon, before uh, I you get out of here, would you give them the contact phone numbers and the contact information so that they can reach out to you or go to the website and register. Okay, they can go to 281-889-2142. Uh, they can give me a call at that number. And they can go to our website, uh, Um I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, the beauty of the summit is, we sit down and we don't put things together based on what we want you to have. In other words, we don't put the menu together based on what we want you to have. We do our research and we find out what it is that you really need, what you need and what you want. And so if you don't show up, it's like missing a good meal. And how much is it for people to register, Sharon? $199. Uh, because they're listening to you today, they can uh, get a little promotional code, ANS friend, and that'll give them fifty percent off. And repeat that partners. code again. Repeat the code. ANS friend. Authors Networking Summit friend. Okay, cool, cool. All right. Well, one and the last thing, Sharon, I just wanted to uh, say from the heart what a lot of people probably haven't said to you. Thank you for holding on to your vision. Thank you for being such an encourager to so many people. You have no clue the number of lives that you touch by the hard work that you put in. Without people like you, I remember I, um, being when I was in the music industry, there was a guy named Jack, and he started this thing called Jack the Rapper. And Dave Medlin is an uncle of uh, my kid's mom. And, you know, these two old guys had me in a room, and they were telling me all these stories about when Stevie Wonder was a little boy and, you know, how they heard firecrackers and had to carry Stevie off, and they were laughing about it. And we were sitting in uh, in a limo that I had rented talking about it, and now both of these guys have gone on. They've passed on, and I, I sit and I reflect that I was sitting in the midst of greatness and in the midst of legacy, and I didn't even know it. I was just a young guy at the time. So I look at what you're doing with the Arthur's Networking Summit, and this is the opportunity, America, for you guys to come out 
and especially those of you that are proximal to Houston, Texas, and rub elbows with Tony Gaskins and Rashonda and me and, and all of these wonderful people that are not untouchable and willing to access themselves and, and to make themselves accessible to you. And that would never have happened without you, Sharon Jenkins. So I appreciate you being on my program today. Oh, thank you, and thank you for all you do for us. I love your Facebook posts. They're very encouraging. And matter of fact, when you started out today, you said an encouraging word just for me. So I want to thank you for being sensitive and being perceptive and being available. That means a lot to us. Wow, that that's very touching. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to take a quick back. That was uh, Sharon Jenkins. And make sure that you look up Arthur's Networking Summit. You do not want to miss that. And if you need more information, you can find Sharon Jenkins on Facebook, and that's S-H-A-R-O-N-J-E-N-K-I-N-S. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back in about 45 seconds. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. I uh, I can't just say thank you enough. Um, the last week just was a beautiful time. I, I had a, a little bit of a family crisis come up, and when it was all said and done, uh, it wasn't what we thought. And I got back, I checked Facebook, and I got all of these emails from you guys um, you know, referencing the program and referencing some of the activities that we do in our branding efforts. And I want you to know that I do not take you for granted, and uh, I especially want to send a special shout-out to the people that really helped uh, move this engine forward. Jaylene Mack, my attorney, Deborah Smith, uh, Julia Randall, I don't know what the, I would not be doing anything I do without Julia. She's my right arm. And I just want all of you guys to know how much I love and appreciate you so, so very much. And with that said, there is a very, very special guest that uh, has been waiting in the wings that has so much to say. Um, I have uh, known this gentleman. His name is Shelton Jolivet, and, and this brother is, like, just really, really phenomenal. He has... Um, been on all sides of the camera from director to actor. He's also an author, and he's also a pastor. And the the thing that touches me most about this guy is he is so sincere and transparent. As we well know, when it comes to clergy, I'm just going to say it. It's my show, so uh, if you uh, have a child listening you might want to cover their ears, but most pastors are full of shit, and yes, I did say that. But one thing about Shelton, I have watched this brother uh, demonstrate compassion. I've watched him demonstrate love. I've watched him in the, all of the reasons that he has, d deserving reasons to be uh, egotistical or highbrow, he's anything but that. And if there was ever a note that I would say clergy should take and successful men of all races um, and, and nationalities should take, it would be to operate in a spirit of love and humility and humbleness. And with that said, I'd like to welcome to the program Mr. Shelton Jolivet. Shelton, how are you doing today, man? Man, just to hear your voice. And to uh, to be a part of the show today, I'm I'm honored, and I'm listening to the words, and I'm I'm just blessed, man. I I interrupt iron, and Devon, you got to remember, it's because of people like you that people like I exist. 
I mean, no automobile is traveling on this road without having a filling station to, to, to pull into every now and again to refuel. So I bless God for you, man, for being a filling station often when I'm on this road. Wow. That, that's deep, man. I uh, I accept that, and I really am uh, I'm, I'm humbled to even hear it. Something I wanted to talk about, and we, we just got through talking about this with Sharon, is people helping folks um, make their dreams come true and being there that even if you couldn't have your dream to come true, help someone else make their dreams come true. And, and what I wanted to ask you about is in your journey as an author and as an actor, what have been the things? Every, I don't want to talk about how you got it going on. That's obvious. <laughs> Tell me the things that you did that made you just, you know, Get back up again. Give me a description of one of those times when you really felt like saying, you know what, the hell with this. But who was it or what was it that gave you the stamina to keep on going? You know, there were. there's not one person other than God, of course, but there's a group of people. I'm going to start with my family. My wife and my children are the greatest fan base and support base that I have. My daughter uh, uh, put out a book in the third grade. She was she was part of some little uh, class that they had at Gardenville Elementary School. And she came back home and showed me her book. She said, Daddy, if I can do it, you can still do yours. And then I looked at my daughter, because I had given up, Devon. I, I, had, I had taken my script. I had taken it and thrown it in the trash, just like Sister Sharon had said. And I had given up because there were so many doors. There were so many no's, and there were so many, I'm wasting my time. But I knew what my story was, and I had given up. And because I had given up, there was a lot of people that was missing out on on a, on a powerful, powerful story. So when Sydney came home and you know showed me her novel and that her picture was in and her name was on it, I went back, pulled my manuscript out, talked to a couple of people who didn't believe in me. But then Leah Davis gave me a a business card, and she said, "Shelton, do it yourself." Called this particular man; he's a printer. Called this particular woman, she's a uh, she, she's an editor, and then you know I was in a, I was in a cast that play that I was doing. There's one in every family, and surrounded with Jaylene Mack and and a, and a, and a puff of Miss Jeffries, and you know they all sold back into me. And then I had one to tell me, don't call me, don't say anything else to me until you put that book in my hand. And then for seven months straight, with Miss Priscilla McAllister and the other group, I went to work, man, and I. Uh, Contacted the editor. We went back and forth for about three months, and then I found the printer. We went back and forth, and then my sister-in-law gave me the cover idea, and then Deborah Bolgi gave me the, another cover idea, and then finally I had a finished product. And Devon, this call could not have come in a better day because today I celebrate three years in one day as a published author. Wow, that is phenomenal, man! I know I've been having meetings with uh, with this artist that I'm signing, Julie Dash, and Julie is all the way in Barbados, but she's over. Uh, she's on the board for Crime Stoppers and all of this stuff, and the stories are so similar. I mean, here's this British woman on a African uh, on an island with these African Americans out in the middle of the ocean. And her story is just like your story, and it's just like Sharon's story. So I guess what I want to ask now is that you, if you were going to tell the people that are the support systems and the wives and friends and significant others of those that are pursuing a dream, what they might do to contribute to this person's self-esteem and to contribute to encouraging them to move forward, what are some basic things that uh, we probably take for granted that we could say or do to encourage other people? The, the most basic thing of all is to do that. Encourage. Ask that person, where is your product? Where are you in it? What can I do to help? I don't care if it's making a phone call, let me proofread something, or let me read it again. And then in their presence, tell somebody else about it. You know, my wife has always, 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 Maria is, I mean, you know, it's it, it banana. She's always telling somebody about burns. Always. My key is they're constantly talking about burns. So everybody wants to know what is burns. And this is my support base. Always talk to them about the product. 
whatever the product is. I don't care if it's a, if it's, if it's a five page uh, synopsis. Talk about it. Reread it. Tell somebody else about it in that person's presence, because that is is, is the greatest joy that you can never receive from anybody when you're being supported. When you find yourself in such situations, that's a wonderful thing. However, there are many people out there, people like me, and and I'll be the first to say that before I had someone like Julia, Deborah in my corner or, you know, even uh, I have a a good friend, Sharon Washington, the same thing. These people would, uh, or let me go ahead and throw a couple of other names out there, Jaylene, Mac, Rudy, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Allen, all of these people that have, when I had no one, I mean, literally, I'm an only child. Both my parents are deceased. Uh, you know, the siblings that I have that are my biological siblings are in other cities, and I didn't grow up with them. So, in essence, basically, I'm an only kid. And, and you know, many of the days that come before me, the only person I have to encourage me is me. You know, and and often even in my practice, now that my practice is successful and I'm finally making uh, enough money where I I can get cheese on my burger and an extra piece of light bread or whatever, even on those days, man, I still have days where I'm encouraging and counseling other people, and I'm still single. So I will go and help someone else fix their family heal their broken heart, and I sit in the office and go, God, when is it going to be my turn? So Mm -hmm. what is your suggestion to the people that are like me that feel that they are in it by themselves? Can you give some advice on how they can be self-encouraged and how they can reach deeper and find strength? I can, uh, Devon. First of all, always remember you're never by yourself. Don't tangibly there might not be anyone there, and that you long to have that, 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 that tangible person there, you don't know what God is keeping you from and what he's protecting you from. Just because somebody has somebody with them does not necessarily mean it's peaceful. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I can't speak on being single because I don't remember, I don't remember those days. I've been with Maria for almost 20 years now. But I can say this, there are sometimes even in our marriage, that you know, it, it's not it's not the glitter, it's not the glamour, it's not the glory. So for people like yourself and those others that are that are listening, if you are single and you don't have that support base, love on yourself because before anyone else can love you, you got to love you. And if you don't believe in you, how can you expect somebody else to be bad all by yourself? And then when somebody else will come along, it makes that bad be better. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. As a matter of fact, it leads me to ask you another question. What are the signs that you had and that you suggest that others look for to give them a confirmation or even inspiration that they're heading in the right direction with their goals? There are several. One, which I would say is the most important one, every step that you take, you're going forward and you're not going backwards. If you wake up every morning and you're not having a hangover and, and, and you're not having those bitter woo-woo-woos and you're not ducking and dodging, that's the first sign. The second sign, when others are asking about you or asking of you and everybody's trying to get a part of the pride that you have, that's the second one. And last but definitely not least, what I consider is the most important of them all is when you have peace with yourself and you no longer are worrying what others are, 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 are thinking about you or who's going to be the next one in your corner. Because at the end of the day, Devon, I would rather have a few or none with me than a whole bunch trying to pull me down. Man, that that is so true. I can, uh, while I'm listening to you, I have had people that had to do tough love with me, and it, and it yet continues even today that we often, when someone isn't telling us, you know what, everything you're doing is so wonderful and, you know, you really are the apple of my eye, sometimes we need to put aside this need to be appeased and be pleased when someone is truthful with us because iron, as you said earlier, definitely sharpens iron and God chastens those whom he loves. 
And I guess what I what I want to point out, and I can just see Deborah uh, Deborah Smith uh, <laughs> sitting there going, "Oh Lord, he's fixing to talk about me." Yes, I am getting ready to talk about you, Deborah. Um, <laughs> God sends people that sometimes are there to not humor you, but to help and inspire you. Would you give an example in your life, Shelton, of when you've had to get some information you didn't want to hear, but now you can say, thank God you heard it? Oh, yes. I uh, Actually, in both ways, I had to give some information as well as receive some information. Uh, the first was concerning this novel right here, Burned. I was, I was told that it was never going to be a good story. Nobody's going to buy it and it was a waste of my time, and that it would be better if I just render the rights over, let somebody else become my ghostwriter, and then we'll go from there, or just sit back on it. That was the best advice that I could have received, because I did. I sat down, and I did not go with that production company. I'm 32 plus 100 books sold to date, paperback, not including the electronic copy, because of what somebody else said to me. That was a tough love. They didn't like it. So it caused me to go back and look at the script. It caused me to go back and look at what did they see that I didn't see. And then when I found out why they said it, it was because it was a powerful story. It was because they did see the success, but they didn't think that I was intangible or smart enough to pursue it myself. And when I did decide to pursue it myself, the best, the best, the best advice that I received was, Jolivet, do it for yourself. Others will follow and now we're in pre-production for the film. Now, with that being said, there is a large leap between what it takes to put a book out, which is that is no easy uh, feat because at the end of the day, especially if you're in the publishing industry and you're bringing a product nationally, that takes, in many instances, tens of thousands of dollars. But now when you start talking about doing a feature film, which is what you're doing, and you're setting that up. What? Uh, how did that come about, man? How did you go from a book to a film? What happened? It, it, it's, I'm glad that you asked, Devon. Burn was originally written as a film. I was on the set with Derek Luke, Billy Bob Thornton, and those guys when we were shooting Friday Night Live here in Houston. While I was on set at that film, I got cast in another movie called Get Connected. And I didn't like the way that the film was going. And, you know, I didn't know any better. I was new into the acting community, and I, I didn't know you didn't go to you don't go to the director and tell him, man, this thing doesn't make sense. I didn't know any better. So I did it. When I did that, he said, well, what should we do? And he asked me to write a couple of scenes, and so I went home and I wrote it. We shot those scenes, and he gave me credit for it. I said, well, shoot, if I can shoot a couple, write a couple of scenes for this guy, surely I can write something for myself. So I went back home, man, and, you know, my kids and my family will tell you for 14 days straight, I just wrote, I wrote, I wrote, nonstop for 14 days at the swim meets, at the uh, track and field meets. I'm writing. 14 days later, I had a script in my hand, and it was bananas. It was powerful. Dan Ritchell, uh, an old Jewish guy, we were shooting another movie called Napoleon First. I gave him the manuscript, and he literally read it overnight, came back, and said that he wanted to shoot this after we shot Napoleon's curse and that I had to get some things in place. Well, you know, one thing led to another. He said, you know, put it into a book first and let's see what the book does before we go forward and, you know, you can count on me as an investor. So I told him, man, put it in the book. I'm not a writer. I hate it to read. You know, write a book? Come on, man. This is a script. So it went from there to back on the shelf to in the trash, and then I turned it back into that novel. Well, when the novel came out, met with a couple of key people and said, man, this will be a good idea for a film. And I just started laughing. I showed them that the script was already done. Well, of course, you know, one thing led to another. I got burned, got messed over, got taken advantage of, but I never gave up after that. And as fate would have it, last year I met with an old, old friend, Charnel Brown, who was Kim Reese from It's a Different World. She read it overnight and called me and said, this needs to be a movie. And it went from being wanting to be for moving to pre-production, and now, you know, we're, we're literally at the stage that we're about to start casting. Wow. You know, what that reminds me of, I have so many uh, colleagues and friends and associates in the business. Um, Greg Carter is one of the premier filmmakers. If you guys have never heard of Greg Carter, he's, I call him the silent assassin with a camera. This guy's done over 20 feature films. Uh, he doesn't even get to hardly produce his own films because now these companies 
are like Maverick Entertainment Group are paying him millions of dollars to come and clean up unfinished projects and what have you. And then I think of people like Steve Drayton, who is Flavor Flav's brother, did a deal, married men, single women. Uh, Sean Harris has, uh, you know, done this movie on squatting. He's the uh, nephew of the late comedian Robin Harris. And, and what I hear in all of your stories is that you didn't wait on it to come to you. Once the passion came through, the passion met the purpose, and then manifestation took place. What advice would you give someone, um, Shelton, to help catalyze passion so that they can see manifestation? What what inspired you or what lit the fire up under you in many instances to make you move in each one of these different venues? I went back, and I know this is going to sound crazy, Devon, but I went back and I read the story of Noah. And I actually profound on it yesterday. When God told Noah to build that ark, you got to remember this. There was not a sound drop or nothing of mention of rain. It wasn't drizzling. It wasn't about to, you know, there was no great clouds. He told him to build an ark and prepare for a storm. Everybody looked at Noah crazy. Now, this is what I want you to think about. There was, if, if there had never been a rain, never been a flood, there was never a boat. Because there was never no need for one. Noah built a ship with what he had. He was not a shipbuilder. That was not his profession. But he built it because he believed God and his word. After he built the ship, the Bible goes on to tell you that God sent, not Noah went to look, but God sent them two by two. When he had everybody that was supposed to be on the ship, literally, immediately, the storm came. And then it hit me. God says, I didn't tell you to go looking for the money. I told you to write the story. When you do what I tell you to do, I'm going to send what I need to send to support you. And it's going to rain. So now when I say make it rain, you don't even understand. I don't care. I, I, I don't look at it from the, from the secular term. I'm looking at it from the spiritual term. It's about to rain right here in Houston because I built the ship. And they're coming two by two. And if you have that one desire to do it, I'm telling you, Devon, whatever it is, if God told you to do it, trust me at my word. He's going to do his part if you just do yours. Yeah, I will be honest. I have never began one venture well capitalized. And all of the things that I've uh, done, even when I wrote the very first book 10 years ago, um, it was on pieces of paper. It was a fluke. The book was 150 pages long, and it was successful. And then this last book, I was uh, really making the decision, do I go ahead and complete first assist in surgery, or do I go ahead and do this and do a Ph.D. instead of that track? And it's like all of the things that have been a success or jump-off point for me have come through me just being obedient to the urgence of the Holy Spirit. Now, with that being said, I also know that you are a pastor, and that as a pastor, um, dealing with church folk is anything but easy. How do you balance being in Hollywood, being an actor, and still finding the time to be the shepherd over a flock? Well, you know, my, my senior pastor is Pastor Remus E. Wright over at the Fountain of Praise. He's a senior pastor. I travel a whole lot, and being a shepherd over the flock that God has given me, it's, it's not as difficult as you think because it's not about me. My job is not to dictate, not to judge. My job is not to tell people, you know, you're this and you're this. You know what my job is? It's to love them. What? Mm-hmm. It's to help them. It's to push them from where they are and show them how to get to where they're trying to go. And it's easy. Now, do I get ridicule? Do I get persecution? Do I get, you know, those hard times? Yes, sir, I do. Yes, I do. But, you know, like the word that when my heart is overwhelmed, I go back to the rock. I go back to what is higher than me. And my mom and my dad are still very prevalent in my life. They prayed over me. They prayed for me. They prayed with me. And I have a circle. I have a group of people that I talk to every day, like four or five of them, one in particular, that I talk to every day. And it's my strength. It's that feeling station. But I'm not concerned about what folks say. Because here's here's, at the end of the day, they don't have a heaven or a hell for me, nor purgatory if there was such a thing. 
So because of that, I'm not concerned, man. I've got to keep going. And if I don't keep going, then it's whose fault? Not theirs. It's mine. So I got to. You know, that reminds me uh, about the. the, I ha- I did a show just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, two two really cool partners of mine. One of them is Marcus Wiley, he's known as Bishop Secular <laughs> on the Yolanda Adams Morning Show, and and my other buddy Kirk Bates is known as Junior on the Steve Harvey Morning Show. And when I'm talking to these guys, one thing that Marcus said is, "The man, I'm not a Christian comedian. I'm a comedian that happens to be a Christian." Do you take that stance when it comes to, because in the industry there is so much out there, and I'm not trying to turn this show into something religious, but I do, and I'm a firm believer that in order to have the manifestation of what God created you to do, you have to be aligned with And, you know, some people refer to source as the Holy Spirit. Other people refer to source as God. But I know that there has to be a connection with divinity in order to realize your potential. How has that connection played out in your life in terms of being and to be successful? Well, so many ways. Number one, like you said, I am I am a Christian. But that's what my profession is. But as an actor, God has given me that gift. And his word says that my gifts will make room for you. Come on, man! It, 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 it is what it is. When I when I when I become an, when I become a certain character, it's not Jolivet. It's that character, and I know how to disassociate the two. People, you know, you know, my my mom and my grandparents they always said, teeth and tongues are gonna say anything. A pair of lips will say anything, but at the end of the day, they're still watching it, they're still reading it, they're still sowing that seed. Let them talk. What, what, what can what, what can you talking about me do other than help me? The people that talked about my book helped help me get to that 3,200 plus. I can't wait to start talking about the movie because Burned is not it, it's not the Bible. But when you finish reading with it, I promise you, you're going straight to read the Bible. I promise you, you're going to be like, Lord, I need help. <laughs> wow. Now, I've got to go here with this because we're running down on time. Um, for people to pick up a, a a copy of your book, which I can tell you, people, it is a very very interesting read, and to follow you, and, and I know I believe you're going to be at this Arthur's Networking Summit uh, as one of their celebrity guests. So, how can people a follow you? B, how can they get in contact with you so that they can get some mentorship, some guidance, or just you know. Um, get some direction as they try to become and successful at what you've already be, become successful at? Well, yeah, I'm definitely going to be at the Office Summit. If they mention that they heard today's segment and they can tell me something specific about today's show, I'm going to discount my novel. I'm going to be selling novels for those that heard your show, mention their name and something specific that they heard on this segment. Because it's my third year anniversary, I'm going to be selling them for only three dollars to those particular people to to, to 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 show them I don't. It's not about making the money. I want the product out there. Or they can go to SheltonJolivet.com. They can follow me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter. And if they need to talk to me, you know, they contact my manager, which is Mrs. Priscilla McAllister, and I can give you a give you her contact number. It is, and I shouldn't know about heart. She'll probably kill me if she found out I had to go and dig because I don't dial it by name. I mean, by number, I dial it by name. But it's 678 That's 678-558-7478. And for counseling, they can call me right there at the church at the Fountain of Praise, 713-433-1824. Man, I tell you, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to get on the program. It is, um, in my experience, so difficult for people to meet people that are doing legitimate things in film and in publishing and television and on the stage. 
And it's rare that you have someone that is a triple threat such as yourself that you uh, have been in feature films and you're and you're writing content and all the other wonderful things you're doing. So, Shelton, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to hang out with me, and I hope that I can have you back on the show uh, real, real soon. Steve, you are a, a friend of mine. You're not, you know, watching the back of your family to me. Whenever, wherever. All you have to do is whistle. I shoot. Just have Bell hey. come get me out. That's all I ask. Hey, man, I, I love you, and I appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Shelton Jolivet. Now, before the show wraps up, I've got about six minutes of talk time, so I want to drop some knowledge on you. You know, we hear this term vibration frequently, and we hear this term about resonance. Here's what I want you to take away from today's program. The purpose of me doing this show was to let you see that people who help other people make it, the reason that they get blessed themselves is because they're willing to help someone else. So maybe it's not about you right now. You know, maybe this is a season where it's really meant for you to pour into someone else's life while you are looking for something to be poured into yours. I mean, just perhaps that might be something you would consider. And the other thing is this. Think of the term resonance and the term dissonance. Resonance, and a good example of this, is if you go into a piano store and you hit the C chord, all the other pianos that are proximal to it are going to vibrate because they're going to resonate because you hit a chord that matched the same frequency that the other piano was able to present. So when you are dealing with situations and people, Take a good look at yourself and see what is it that you are resonating with. Are you resonating because of somebody's negativity? Are you resonating because of someone's hope? Are you creating a situation where, like in the words of my late dear grandmother, that you can hope somebody through something? Because there is definitely a such thing as hoping people. Uh, If it weren't for the people that surround me, you would not be listening to this program right now. And and I don't mean to sound like I'm patronizing the people that are on my team, but there's a time when if you want to be successful, and believe me, I am successful, so I'm, I'm not talking from a, a point of arrogance because I remember when I was so broke I couldn't buy a mosquito or a hunting jacket. But the truth be told, if, if I had to learn to appreciate those that loved me, those that supported me, those people that believed in me, and also simultaneously had to learn how to look at my detractors and my haters for just what they were, and they were fuel. They were the people that, because they talked about me, because they doubted me, it's so funny. Some of these same idiots walk up and ask for my autograph, and I have learned, you know, to love my haters as much as I love my supporters, because at the end of the day, they will all go into one collective group, and that's called witnesses. So with that said, uh, don't let the smooth taste fool you. If anything, start realizing that if you're not all the way in, you are not in at all. Anyway, I will be back on Sunday, and uh, just one more thank you to all of you uh, across the world for the prayers and the support. It really touched my heart. But the way that you reached out and touched my heart, make sure that you touch the people that God has put in your life, your significant others, your kids, your coworkers, even them folks that you know Satan sent to uh, just get on your last damn nerve are the same people that God sent in order to build up your strength and your character. So with that said, Julia, let's get the music queued up. I will be talking to you on Sunday at 7.30 p.m. And as always, if you don't love you, why in the hell will anyone else? All right. Have a great day. This has been Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Talk to you soon. I love you. Now, have a great weekend.
Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.